Hello, listeners. I'm Dave Callens. And I am Kevin, Noble Paladin. And we're here from the podcast Awful Neutral. We know this will be a stressful time for people in the weeks to come. That's right, Kevin. And we want you to know that we plan to continue to release weekly episodes to help our listeners laugh through the isolation and hopefully forget about their problems for a moment. We have a rather large cast. Indeed. Gonk himself is almost a thousand pounds. Kevin, not now. Anyways, we have a rather large cast, and with social distancing going on right now, recording as we normally would may not be wise. Fortunately, we have a few episodes recorded before the quarantine, and are looking at some fun episodes for the weeks and months to come. We urge everyone to please practice social distancing. Yeah, as well as being kind, considerate. And my hammer! Damn it, Kevin. Be kind, considerate, and compassionate to each other. Awful Neutral fans, we love you. Stay safe. The on show with the must show. go on. I, I thought we were going to do it. Never mind. Hi, Lothario de la Pulga here. <laughs> Just kidding. It's me, Salvador Viesca. I tried to trick you. I know you can tell the difference between my voice and my distinct character voice for Lothario. For instance, here's Lothario saying the line to his mom. Mama, stop hitting me with that chancla. Okay, now here's Sal talking to his mom. Mama, stop hitting me with that chancla. I'm trying to record a podcast. I'm just kidding, that was Lothario. I keep trying to trick you, but really there's no difference. No difference at all. If you want to make a real difference to us as listeners of the show, please give us a five-star rating and a nice review on iTunes or wherever you get the podcast. Check us out on our Patreon for bonus content and follow us on Awful D&D on all social media. Um, just, just give us five stars, everybody. Welcome, foolish mortals, to Awful Neutral. Last time on Awful Neutral, the awfully rebooted saga, Rourke and the dorks failed to stop a summoning ritual and were faced with a terrible pit fiend that dispatched them all with incredible ease. However, some other force intervened at the last millisecond and the gang found themselves safe and sound on another plane of existence. They set upon a short journey through weird portals and had an impromptu high-diving competition before they found themselves in an enormous hallway with a titan-sized demigod Corgi named Persepolis. Their life-saving benefactor petitioned them for aid, offering training as well as magical equipment of great power. After accepting the terms of this generous offer, they found themselves in a 10-star Fantasy Island-style hotel, and that's where we left them off, getting their little butts pampered to their own specifications. And with us, as always, we have Jesse Egan as... Bada Bingsley over <laughs> we have Caleb Cleveland as... Pyth, the Yanti Paladin, devotee of Shantea, and master under- at underwater basket weaving. <laughs> what a crafty paladin you are. We have Dave Callens as... Rock, the Aarakocra, see? <laughs> Not a Yanti. Rourke, the non-Yanti. 
Ericorocrat. And we have Damien Mercado as... Kara Dactail, Shadowy Seductress. That's right. I use my body for my advantage. I know what I got. <laughs> Seducing our listeners from the shadows. We've got Damien Mercado. And last but not least, we have myself... Clint Beicher as your game master for this campaign. Campaign master, if you will. So our adventurers have been pampered in their own various ways. Uh, Pythe with his humble abode that he's familiar with. Such pampering. Um, Bada Bingsley, how do you wake up? Um, I probably, uh, I wake up on the, uh, on the massage table in the, in the, I was taking a Schwitz and, uh, then I had a nice sauna <laughs> and then I forgot how my character is supposed to sound. And then I laid down to get a nice massage. And, uh, next thing I know, I woke up and nothing but a, a towel feeling very limber. Bada Bingsley wakes up in a spa-like environment to the sound of some skittering and scampering in a hollow-sounding tube of some sort, and a chime sound is made to alert him to some sort of message. Mm. What's all that skittering and scampering and chimes? (laughs) All of our adventurers are actually awoken in a similar way. Caradactyl, what do you do when you hear this chiming sound coming from the wall? Bang on the wall. Keep it down in there. Try to sleep. I need 10 more minutes. As soon as you hit the wall with your first wrap of your knuckles, a panel opens up in the wall. It just slides open, and you see all of these clear tubes and a little box at the end of one of the tubes, and you see a blur of an image going through the tubes and arrive as soon as it stops you see a hamster (laughs) with a note attached to its back um it's a rat kill it oh my god kill a rat oh my god there's a rat in this hotel (laughs) um (laughs) and i start i start throwing pillows at it it's it's in a, a contained box, and as you first hit the box with the first pillow, the note unfurls magically, and then an illusion of Persepolis uh, fills the screen, and says, Aww. "Oh, hello, good morning. Um, I hope you rested fine. Sorry. Uh, it's time to get trained up. Uh, listen, listen. Um." Sorry for the scare. I'm, you're not used to this. Don't worry. These turbo hamsters are completely contained. Um, I love your accent. Good. I'd hate to see it spread. This is. This is. I call this the tube works. It's uh, turbo hamsters delivering messages for me. I know it's a little silly. I'm a time god. I could do it myself, but it's more fun this way. Anyways, it is. It admittedly is more fun. You'll find. Uh, I. I thought about your equipment. You know. Uh, since I have all of the time in the world being outside of it at all, and uh, I gave you some improvements. (laughs) (laughs) Rourke, how did you wake up? Uh, Rourke wakes up the same way every morning, screaming from his night terrors, uh, (laughs) because has constant nightmares that he's flying above a bunch of Yanti. (laughs) 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 Flying above snakes is basically his his (laughs) nightmare every night. That is fantastic. You don't want to be my roommate, is what I'm saying, you see? 
when you calm down from your screaming, you hear a chime sound, Rourke. Oh, uh, Rourke, although he's not a songbird, he fancies himself as just, so he just tries to harmonize with the chime. Uh, 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 excuse me. Uh, no, no, that's not it. Uh, 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 I can't do it. Never mind. On your third attempt, the hatch opens for your console, your tube works console. You see a similar message arrive. And in fact, it's the same exact message, um, even though it may or may not exactly fit your uh, circumstance. And you as well see that your equipment is much improved from yesterday. Bada Bingsley, back to you. How, how do you react to this chiming sound? I say, oh, there's chimes going on over here. What's what's your story? I, I Can I open the, the door? Or I get up off the massage table and look around for the source of the chime and look, look for this uh, hamster message. When you get up off of your massage table, it actually flips up and reveals a console underneath of it. And it is this tube works as- assembly and you see the turbo hamster scurry into the tube in a blur. Uh, how do you react? Oh, this gerbil's bringing me notes. I uh, <laughs> I, t- I take the note off the hamster and, and, and read it and okay. try to feed the hamster. When you open up the box to be able to reach into the hamster, the turbo hamster scurries off in a flurry, but the note pops off of its back and uh, floats down and creates the illusion of Persepolis, letting you know that your equipment has been improved. And an extra add-on for you says, Oh, it bought a Bigsley. Uh, there's a special way to get the most out of that instrument I gave you. Uh, you gotta jam on it for an hour, okay? <laughs> and after jamming on it for an hour, you can totally, like, do more stuff with it than the basic, you know, addition to your spellcasting and stuff. It's great. You'll love it. You'll love it. Oh, man. So I'm fascinated by that message. So I definitely look through the equipment to see what this instrument is. Can, can we edit in one hour of smooth jazz that, that's him practicing? Yeah. Yes, I, I would like <laughs> just Kenny G for an hour if we could just all listen to that and we'll be right back. You hear banging on the wall, Karadak is telling you to shut the fuck up. I'm trying to sleep, goddammit, shut the fuck up! Yeah, somehow with, with these interdimensional private rooms, you still have a thin wall in between. <laughs> I know that saxophone coming from seemingly nowhere off in the distance anywhere. <laughs> Bada Bingsley, go ahead and and roll a performance check. Okay, all right. I rolled. <laughs> oh, I rolled a six. Oh no, I rolled a nine in performance. That's with a plus five. My yeah. God, I roll badly. <laughs> I mean, I rolled. That means I rolled a four. Hey, you're not a morning person. I suck. I wouldn't have been telling you to shut the hell up if you were playing good. Man, I suck. You know what, Bada? You should have proficiency in in performance. You would think, right? Okay, so I rolled an 11 in performance. Not too great. <laughs> you're better than a, an average uh, person. But just it's, barely. <laughs> you know, you just woke up. You're jamming on it. That's that's for the first half hour. 30 minutes. <laughs> Starting to connect with you. Go ahead and roll another performance check at advantage. <laughs> so rolled second time at advantage. I rolled a 22. <laughs> as, as this magical saxophone connects with your being and you become one with this saxophone, 
you doubled your performance. It's just, you sounded kind of like a uh, middle school second chair saxophonist before, and now you sound like you should be... First chair. <laughs> first chair of some kind of symphony somewhere. You sound amazing. That is dope. I, th- I feel like for the first half of that um, practice, I thought it was a guitar, and I was just playing it wrong altogether. <laughs> and then 30 minutes in, I realized, hey, this is a, this is a saxophone. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you cooking now, Bada Bingsley. Play some Dolly Parton. I, my... Um, my, the way I envision my character right now, because he's just in a towel, glistening after a spa, playing a saxophone for a full hour, is, did you ever see, I think it's Lost Boys, there's like a guy who's just like playing saxophone. Oh, that's famous. Everybody knows exactly what you're talking about right now. He's <laughs> just like a big, <laughs> greasy, muscly guy. Muscular, oiled, yes. Just playing sax on the beach like, <laughs> yeah. for yes. no reason, just for hours, just like, <laughs> just jamming out. So that's the visual. Yeah, and he's like, there's vampires and Corey Feldman. You just got to say Lost Boys sax dude, and everybody knows what you're talking about. Good. So that's who, that's my character right now. It's the Lost Boys sax dude, except shorter. And oilier. And oilier. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is fantastic. Um, Pyth, how do you wake up? Uh, well, Pyth awakes at dawn and begins his ritual routine where he does uh, a good half hour of calisthenics, wanting to make sure that his thickness doesn't uh, waste away, um, wanting to make sure that uh, his, his backside is ample, as, as, uh, as all our characters are. Um, you know, he wants to make sure his cake don't disappear, as it were. Uh, and I think I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to leave it at that, and up until the point, you know, he's... he's Absolutely, uh, just so uh, entho- enthused and and feeling very lucky about his uh, his gift from the demigod, uh, demidog. Sorry. What kind of morning exercises does a snake do? Uh, lots of contractions, lots of uh, uh, calisthenics and and uh, squishy uh, exercises. <laughs> <laughs> That's get it. that core going. You yeah. Get that core going. You're you're like all core, aren't you? Aren't you like a hundred percent core? That's racist. Yeah. And no, I'm not. I have legs and arms, uh, and I have I have pecs and I have yes, I have pecs oh. and glutes like you wouldn't believe. Isn't that more like a lizard then? Okay, sure, fine, whatever. Reptile, lizard, tomato, tomato. I'm a little concerned that you're going to eat the message hamster. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're feeling a rumbly and you're tumbly, and then you hear some scurrying. Yes. And a chime. Hello, breakfast. You hear it from where you have your very humble desk. Uh, what do you do? Okay, you got it. I approach the desk to investigate. I, if, if I hear the hear the uh, the rather uh, uh, delicious sounding scurrying going on beneath it. Yes. The the desktop folds up and back, and if there's any like pencils or papers on it, they just stay absolutely in place as it hinges back and reveals this network of clear tubes and a blur of a rodent ends up in a little clear box. Do we think it's the same rodent? <laughs> like, coming into every room? I'm, I'm just, just questioning sort of off, <laughs> off topic, but what do you guys think? Do we think, like, does he look really tired by the time he gets to Caleb? <laughs> You're suggesting that it might be Speedy Gonzalez. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. All right. I'm down for that. Okay. Sorry. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah. So, I at <laughs> first, I'm like, oh, my writing implements. But then I'm like, ooh, 
Ooh, furry little snack. Delicious. Uh, as soon as the uh, hamster appears, I'm going to attempt to uh, snack on him. I'm going to pop him in my uh, my yummy little mouth. That's what I'm going to do. I knew he was going to do that. Roll for it. Come on. Rourke wanted to go for it too. Snake's better though. This would be... They are tiny and in a clear box, and they are incredibly fast. Um, go ahead and give a sleight of hand roll at disadvantage. Done. Ooh. Yeah. Too bad you can't keep that one. <laughs> just rolled a natural 20 and a 6. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I rolled a natural 20 and a 6. Unfortunately, uh, it would take quite a feat to grab one of these guys. They I are insanely fast. You're Wile E. Coyote, they're the roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> the same way as when Bada Bingsley, but less nefariously, tried to grab the rodent, the note flutters off. You uh, catch it, it, and then another note gets delivered super fast and lands in your hand before the other note, and it says, Fuck you! It's <laughs> <laughs> the best. <laughs> And then that note disappears and you are left with the message from Persepolis. Yeah. At the end of your message from Persepolis, you get an auditory message as well that says, Well, hello, Pyth. Thank you for your great service to this wonderful cause of Persepolis. You have been rewarded Shantea's defense. You've also been granted a golden ticket allowing you to tour the chocolate factory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Pythe does a huge genuflect in the direction of wherever he thinks the noise came from, and he feels uh, immensely grateful. Oh, mistress of the sown seed, I thank you gratefully for this uh, mighty gift, and um, I shall use it wisely to defend the honor of all who love growing things and uh, making uh, arts and crafts. Amen. You do not get a response, unfortunately. It's like it was a recording of some sort. Uh, that figures. <laughs> <laughs> you do, however, see that you have a legendary uh, set of armor. Well, it's it's Shantae's armor. It is... A potato sack with holes cut in it. No, it's magnificent and woven. <laughs> <laughs> but way more holes than the person has limbs. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, it is wicker. It is a magnificent mastercraft wicker. <laughs> so much wicker. So itchy. Oh my god. That's a lot of wicker. Yes, it is woven. It is basically the armor of invulnerability. Wow. um, Which is a fantastic armor. Uh, Go ahead and and, uh, read the description of what this armor can do. Uh, It is, uh, I have resistance to non-magical damage while I wear the armor. Additionally, uh, Pyth can use an action to make himself immune to non-magical damage for 10 minutes or until I no longer uh, wear this magnificent piece of uh, woven plant wear. And yes, it is a magnificent breastplate woven, not uh, from any mortal uh, materials, but from the divine grasses upon the <laughs> plane of Shantae. Yes, uh, uh, by the devotees of underwater basket weaving. Um, from yes, by the by the by the green lady herself. And for ten minutes, you can become just totally immune to non-magical damage. Yes, yes. Ah. Also, if I close the bottom of it, we can use it as a basket, and that's pretty great. Wow. If there's one thing that Shantae knows, it's grass. So I feel like this is this is a, a good omen. Guess uh-huh. who's the tank? That's right. <laughs> that is correct. You've also established that there's a profession in this world called underwater armor weaving. <laughs> <laughs> so 
even though this is, as it were, wicker, um, the wicker itself is this incredibly <laughs> tough fiber that you can't bend or stretch or make the slightest deflection in as you put all of your might behind it. Uh, this is incredibly, beautifully intricate, crafted armor of arts and crafts. Yes. It's soft as uh, a woven basket, but hard as dragon scales. <laughs> There's puff paint on it. <laughs> and a couple of, yes, it's like a god's eye on the back. A couple of googly eyes. <laughs> you also have an incredible shield, and you have a belt of stone giant's strength yes as well as a dwarven thrower you are freaking yoked what's a dwarven thrower <laughs> they throw dwarves it's go ahead and read it oh god okay <laughs> All right. uh it's a dwarven warhammer very rare and uh i can throw it and immediately after the attack if i throw it the weapon flies back to my hand does extra damage if the target's a giant of course wow yes extremely powerful mm. I'm lucky to be me. Yes. That is amazing. Can we bring you to Renaissance fairs and like show you off? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm exceptionally good at, uh, at impersonating a pirate. Pyth uh, stands in his modest soldier's cell and uh, squires himself into his magnificent yet beautifully humble woven plant fiber breastplate swings aloft his magic hammer by the power of Chantea. And with that, he uh, plads himself in his holy vestments, gives a, a wonderful little forked tongue kiss to his symbol, throws it around his neck, and then goes off to join his... Wow, your character is sick, though. Sick character. Now, you don't get to keep any of that, huh? So what are you going to do? <laughs> no, it's all on loan. It's all going to go back to the gods after we have finished... Uh, Kicking the requisite amount of ass for Persepolis, I guess. Let's go back to uh, Caradactyl. You go to your uh, equipment, and of course you have your hairpin of youth that uh, <laughs> we were introduced to last week. Um, oh, you think I? Yeah, I never took that off. I never took that off. This thing might as well be surgically attached. <laughs> Uh, actually, yes, very, very good. Uh, after sleeping in the hairpin of youth, you feel yourself to be even more charismatic. It has increased your charisma by one. And you feel like you have just a little bit of extra advantage on, you know, maybe deceiving or persuading people. Men never stood a chance. <laughs> You do find a beautiful set of studded leather armor that's just gleaming and kind of like the armor you saw on Persepolis. It seems to kind of change and shimmer a little bit. Oh my God, somebody bedazzled this. This is glamored studded leather armor. Go ahead and, and read what that does for you. While wearing this armor, you gain a plus one bonus to your AC. You can also use a bonus action to speak the armor's command word and cause the armor to assume the appearance of, of a normal set of clothing or some other kind of armor. You decide what it looks like, including color, style, and accessories. But the armor retains its normal bulk and weight. The illusionary appearance lasts until you use this property again or remove the armor. That is sick. You want it to be wicker, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it's basically cosplay, right? He can just be whatever he wants. As soon as I put on this armor, I snap my fingers and I look like Catherine Zeta-Jones in Entrapment. Nice. <laughs> you could also say Black Widow 
in Black Widow. Sick. <laughs> she dips beneath the lasers. <laughs> you also see this long metal like rod thing, but with like a crossbow trigger on it. It's uh, is very strange, intricate piece of metal. It's got all these very low lit little flashing lights, and it's like it's nothing you've ever seen. Oh, let's see here. We got a has the handle of a crossbow, and it has this long tube at the end. And Kara holds it up, and she's staring down the tube. <laughs> Let me see if I look in this tube. Is there anything in here? <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe that trigger has a light on it. If you touch the trigger, absolutely nothing happens. But then you hear. Please engage in biometric attunement. Please engage in biometric attunement. Weapon unattuned. Yeah, buy me a drink first. Come on, Mr. Inanimate Object. I don't know what this means. I'm a... Let's see. Uh, biometric attunement. Hello, Mr. Hamster, Mr. Rat. <laughs> as you are fumbling with the weapon and looking around, you as you hold it near where the trigger area is... A little panel flips up and a scanner starts scanning your body and mostly you're just your face and I do like a model poses as it's doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I blow it a kiss. (laughs) And a little tiny prick pokes your thumb real quick. Ah, what the hell? Dave right. (laughs) (laughs) It says biometric profile assimilated. Please place your eye over Scanner. Scanner? I barely know her. (laughs) Uh, I immediately go to looking back down the barrel again. Is this it? Am I doing it right? Stupid. (laughs) You got him. When you put your eye over the barrel, a lens flies out of the barrel and gets you right in the eyeball. What the fuck? God (laughs) damn it. (laughs) Persepolis, this damn machine, this, oh, your rat brought me a trap. You blink a couple times, and then from that eyeball, everything looks a little bit clearer. It shot out my cataracts. (laughs) And it'll do the same to your enemies. (laughs) When you look into the distance, it zooms in on that distance. You can, like, see further and better and more accurately now. I go over to the mirror, and I look at myself. (gasps) My pores! No, I couldn't. Okay, can't look in the mirror with this eye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, for the purposes of this, you now have expertise with this weapon instead of just proficiency. You add twice your proficiency modifier to the use of this weapon. I don't know what um, this thing does, but it this is must be some sort of C and I cane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we leave Caradactyl. That's it. With this lens in your eye and this weapon in your hands, when you look at the weapon, it kind of gives you information. You can like see like a an HUD heads up display. You can see information about the weapon and it starts calibrating more and more and you can start seeing like the distances to certain objects when you look through it what? and you're compelled to pull up the the weapon as if it were a strange crossbow and try to use it. <laughs> this thing is a weapon. All right, hey, Persepolis, send that rat back out here. <laughs> <laughs> when you say that, a wall actually shifts, and you see the appearance of rats on targets, like a carnival game, scrolling across the booth, across the room. Kara screams and leaves the room. No, I'm joking. Uh, she, <laughs> uh, she takes a shot. 
All right, go ahead and roll an attack. I see I rolled me a 16, and I did 20 piercing damage and possibly three sneak damage. As you pull the trigger, you do feel a force against you, and you don't shoot quite as well as you maybe could with a regular weapon that doesn't have such a kickback, but you hear, like, no sound. It's completely silent, and the rat target is completely obliterated. You dealt 23 damage to it. It was not aware of your presence, so you did get to sneak Woo! on it. In fact, it, it, shoots, uh, it shoots so quietly that when you pull the trigger, it says, shh. <laughs> Woo! I didn't know. I don't know what this thing is, but you could pry it from my cold, dead hands. I suddenly don't want to give this thing up for the world. Finally, Rourke, let's take a look at, at what you got. You've received this message. You're feeling a little bit hungry. On your way out, getting your equipment, you see a very nice set of studded leather armor, which is studded leather plus two. You see a second stone, which is actually an ion stone. In your message, you are given the information that if you toss this stone in the air, it orbits around your head and it will give you a plus two to your dexterity score. I like to picture that it orbits around my head like in the cartoons and someone gets hit with a hammer and the little bird goes around. Like that's how it Yes. It is exactly what happens, in fact. So um, you have this stone which you are able to toss up and have orbit your head to give you a magical increase to your dexterity. And you have the most fantastic, sharp, crazy scimitar you've ever seen. And this, as well as a whip that looks like it's a strand of tough sinew and fiber. Gross. Yeah, gross. Ah, it looks like a cat threw up a tapeworm in here. What is this? <laughs> so I grab the scimitar. So as you grab the scimitar, it imbues you with yeah. magical strength and... Well, no, that's stupid. <laughs> it, Please leave that. <laughs> it imbues you with extra ability to attack. This is a Vorpal Scimitar. Oh, snap. This weapon, if you crit on an attack roll and a creature has a head which can be removed, it is instantly removed. Nice. Uh, If it is a creature that cannot have its head removed, it does an extra 68 slashing damage. You got a lightsaber, Dave. (laughs) As you touch this crazy whip, the whip starts connecting to your hand and attaches itself. Oh no, not this again. (laughs) You try to put it down, but it does not let go. The whip wraps around your wrist and it starts to painfully embed its tendrils into your arm. Oh, I don't like the feel of that. Ouch. However, you gain a plus two bonus to attack and damage rolls with this magic whip. And when you hit a creature with this weapon, it deals an extra 1d6 psychic damage. If you roll a natural 20 for the attack roll, the target is stunned until the end of its next turn. Okay, nerd question about the whip. Um, yes. Does it embed in the palm side of my wrist, like Spider-Man's web shooter, or on the back of my wrist, like uh, Constrictor, <laughs> Captain America's snake enemy, like his whips? Thought you were going to go Omega Red. Sorry. What do you prefer? Uh, I kind of like the uh, the Constrictor back of the back of the hand. That's what it does. It wraps around your wrist and then crawls into the back of your hand. 
As a bonus action, you are able to sheathe and unsheathe this whip from your wrist so it can be completely gone or it can come out. Nice. I like the idea that this thing embedded itself against his will. It was like, ah, it'd be cooler on the top of my wrist and then it moved itself. <laughs> when you first described this whip, I was like, this thing sounds gross. And then everything you've said about it has made it more gross yeah. and more gross. Totally. <laughs> uh, it is gross, but it is effective. Most things that are effective are gross. I don't know. That's what I heard. Are there any other uh, things that you guys want to do while getting uh, accustomed to your equipment? Can I just take a shot at this whip at something? Well, uh, I haven't had my boobs not sag in a while, so I'm just going to stare at my new body. Admire <laughs> it for till I'm needed elsewhere. Yeah, and I mean, there's not much more I need to do except for continue to play naked in the spa <laughs> loudly. Maybe even open up a balcony window or something and try to play it out to the world. You hear a banging coming uh, on the wall. Play nine to five. <laughs> yeah, I play some. I play some. Is that Dolly Parton? I play some of that action, and uh, I do a medley, like a like a Bill Clinton saxophone kind of. I don't know. That. <laughs> He's earned my vote. <laughs> um. Bada Bingsley, he ignores the rest of his equipment as he's playing in the nude with his new favorite toy. Yeah. And with the saxophone. When a knock on his door happens. That's a fan art I want, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> a tiny naked minotaur playing saxophone. <laughs> yeah. Bada Bingsley, you hear a knock on your door. Oh, who's knocking on my door? Hey, I, uh, I stop playing briefly. Just brief. In fact, I continue to play, but just sort of lower. Just kind of tooting away like, this is my like going to the door music. Go with the door. What you want? I'm at the spa. And, uh, and then I open the door and see who's bugging me during my music time. Um, it is the... Very tall, beefy Minotaur from the other day, and he, again, uh, reacts to you very sheepishly and says... He's looking at Bada Bingsley naked, by the way. That's the point. He answered that he didn't say he put anything on. <laughs> yes. No. Um, In fact, I, I had a towel, but I dropped <laughs> that. Uh, so sorry to bother you. Uh, it's just, um, well... We have food uh, prepared for you, and uh, Persepolis said that you guys should be well-fed before training happens, and I hate to rush you. Your music's beautiful, but... Yeah, continue playing during this whole thing. Uh, you should probably get the rest of your equipment on before uh, heading out. Uh, sorry, I'll leave now. I'm just so captivated by this beautiful instrument. Yeah, I'll be right down to get some grub. You Give me a second here. I'm going to throw on some skivvies, maybe check out the rest of this gear. I'll be right down there. I'm sorry I didn't hear you. I was playing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just playing sax solos super loudly. Yeah. I can't hear you. Yeah, so uh, oh, his other stuff, it looks like, is elven chainmail armor, and uh, which is nice. A little chainmail shirt. Um Looks very like uh, the Hobbit kind of thing. And a wand of fireballs, which is pretty amazing. Um, and the most exciting thing besides the saxophone is a wondrous item known as winged boots. Um, and they, they look like cowboy boots, with uh, which is pretty funny. 
And when you wear these boots, you have a flying speed equal to your walking speed. You can use the boots to fly for up to four hours all at once or in several shorter flights, each one using a minimum of one minute from the duration. If you're flying when the duration expires, you descend at a rate of 30 feet per round until you land. The boots regain two hours of flying capability for every 12 hours they aren't in use. Oh, good. So they can recharge. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's well, that's fantastic. So now I can fly and play sax <laughs> in the air. Naked. Naked. <laughs> If possible, or with a shirt on. I have an Elven okay. Chainmail shirt. So the boots have little ankle wings? Yeah, they do. They do have wings. Bada Bingsley's already gotten the in-game content. Does he, where else does his character go from here? Maybe to level two? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they are wings. So he's got uh, these nutty little ankle wings on his boots, like uh, like the Submariner or Prince Namor? <laughs> yeah, they're like, they are like um, Mercury or Prince Namor um, wings. But they're on what look like cowboy boots <laughs> that the front of the cowboy boots is kind of peaked up like a like a real like Persian-y kind of look. It's hard to explain, but... Like the curled toes? Elfie cowboy winged boots. They're pretty friggin' dope. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. These little elven cowboy boots. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our adventurers get their brand new shiny equipments on. They're led down to a dining hall where all of their dining desires are delivered unto them. Pythe is allowed to eat some rodents that do not run away. Well, what's the fun of that? <laughs> well, that's fine. I'd, if there are any uh, poisonous frogs or uh, delicious <laughs> eggs, perhaps, uh, I will have uh, more than enough sustenance for, for to break my fast. <laughs> there's eggs, there's birds, there's there's pre-cooked and uncooked variety. Every time you eat what's on your plate and you have another desire, it arrives on your plate. <laughs> Rourke is able to eat his favorite food of... A uh, big bowl of cottage cheese. Birds love cottage cheese. I always have. Yeah, why not? Of, of a big bowl of cottage cheese. He mouths down. That's disgusting. <laughs> I think Bada Bingley is just offended by the dairy aspect of it. <laughs> Before uh, the party breaks their fast, I'm going to uh, say that Pi gives us a soft cough. Ahem, ahem. Uh, I would like to lead us in a short prayer, if uh, if it's all right. A short. Ooh, I'm uh, sweating. A, uh, a uh, polite word of thanks towards the gods uh, for our delectable feast. Oh, great Shantaya, he says, holding everybody's hands. So do you all join hands then? No, but but Rourke is holding Bada Bingsley's hand, and Rourke's whip is just gently caressing Bada's hand. Man, as they're... I've, I didn't catch that. You're, you're caressing what with your whip now? <laughs> your hand. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you greatly for our blessed repast, for letting us break our fast this morn on delectable sweetmeats, poisonous toads, and eggs. Or ass if you're the Alex Jones pit fiend. Eating neighbors' asses is what made the frogs gay, as I understand it. <laughs> That's just science. Uh, as well as uh, the un unfortunately no speedy hamsters. Uh, it will fuel our fight against injustice and uh, allow Allow us to show evil the uh, fault of their ways through uh, lots of smashing, cutting, jabbing, and at least a little bit of underwater basket weaving. In your name, I declare this feast ready, uh, hot glue gun. There we go. In Shantae's name, hot glue gun. <laughs> 
fried chicken and mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese appears on Caradactyl's plate. Uh, I, I wanted a salad. I don't know what this is doing here. I, I mean, I'll eat it. <laughs> you guys bow down and... It, when you all finish your meals and you stand up to start to go somewhere, the table just gets pulled away and the room starts to change into a training room of sorts. Training dummies pop up. I say, look, I'm going to need to uh, take a 30-minute rest before going in the pool here. Oh, I kind of <laughs> thought maybe someone might be doing a training montage, but I guess this is okay. <laughs> um... And you are in this vast training room with very tall ceilings for Bada Bingsley to fly up in. And there's great distances for the fast-flying Rourke to fly forward in. And there's some low-lit rooms off to either side that uh, Karadakt could hide in, as well as many different size training dummies that you could possibly hide behind. And when it comes to uh, Pyth, well, a tanky boy can tank wherever the hell he wants. Wow, look at that. Oh, there goes my scongili. <laughs> I think I just made up a word. <laughs> well, this room is turning into anything we require. How very Hogwartian. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. <laughs> the voice of Persephilus chimes in over the room through magical loudspeakers and says, um, Oh, sorry for ending your breakfast early. Uh, you guys are really slow. I gave you great equipment. We gotta get you trained up. Come on, pick up the pick up the speed. Get the lead out, you guys. Come on. <laughs> Doesn't this place exist outside of time? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, it exists outside of time, but there's limitations. I think I've explained that already. Uh, so let's get a move on. You, did you like your equipment? Check this out. And I play. An amazing sax solo. Put in one more hour of smooth jazz right there. Performance check? P performance check. <laughs> this ain't gonna go well. All right, let's try. Yeah, uh, all of your performance checks are at advantage. Uh, oh, thank goodness. With with that Ooh. with that instrument. Nailed it. Okay, uh, did that work? I rolled a twenty-four. Yeah. Twenty-four. You play a beautiful, beautiful ballad with that sax. Uh, Describe the the ballad. I wanted to sound kind of like Bruce Springsteen, like the E Street Band. Who's yeah. the guy? Clarence Clemens. They used to play <laughs> with him, and so a real like ripping, you know. <laughs> Love it. And I'm just ripping it on the sax, like real, like early uh, 80s sort of uh, New Jersey rock. <laughs> Very E Street band. I know you said we were taking too long, Persepolis, but after this song, he's rocking it. He <laughs> is tearing up that saxophone. This, this song will actually count as two castings of... Bardic inspiration. Kara throws her bra. Bada Bingsley. <laughs> nice. Bada Bingsley throws nice. it back. <laughs> <laughs> I hang it off the. Uh, I have it hanging off the sacks from this point on. Oh God, that's good. You can hang it off one of your horns, can you? Brada Bingsley. He's got a bra on his sax now. Brada Bingsley. Yeah, that's good. It'll it'll cast his two castings of uh, Bardic Inspiration, and with that saxophone, each Bardic Inspiration is able to target two of you, including yourself, at a time. And when you use Bardic Inspiration on someone, they gain 5d6 
plus five temporary hit points. <laughs> wow. Okay. It says uh, eight. How did I roll wow. eight with five D6? Because you rolled three, a three, a two. a two, and three ones. <laughs> I am the best. Um, Call of Cthulhu. Get me back to Call of Cthulhu, guys. <laughs> but it, it's the only place I'm effective. But it also does plus five. So that'll be 13 temporary hit points. Okay, cool. So I only have 10 hit points. And now you effectively have 23. That's that's a huge boon. And imagine if you rolled well. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's Jesse's style. Yeah. Imagine if... I do imagine that all the time. In fact, every time I play D&D, I say, I imagine if I played well. Yeah. But it, it says that... Um, Vicious Mockery gains three damage die. Spell Attack and Spell Save DC are both increased by two. Yes. So you're, basically your best attack, other than your one-a-day fireball, will be uh, yeah. viciously mocking people. I love that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so the range of that increases. And all of you get a 1d6 that you can add to an attack or saving throw with that bardic inspiration. Um, yes, I broke your characters for level one, but remember, this I is love temporary how you keep mentioning equipment, that. so, <laughs> so uh, you're just going to get to level up real fast. You see, I swear I planned this in advance, a towering 10-foot pile of slithering snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? That's too many friggin' snakes. <laughs> uh, doesn't Rourke have a uh, phobia of snakes? I think we all have a phobia of this. <laughs> Kara just starts shooting with her newfound weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and roll uh, initiatives. <laughs> okay. Ooh, Rourke got a 21 for initiative. Out of Bingsley rolls an 11 over eight. Kara rolled an eight. Yes, Pyth rolls a 16. And as you finish the song, a platform in the center of the room raises up with a giant pile of snakes, and they are slithering all over each other. Some of you may have heard of swarms of snakes before. This is four times the size of a regular swarm of snakes. Rourke, it is your turn. What do you do? Oh, this is just like that pleasant dream I always have. <laughs> so Wark, uh, flying six feet above the ground, makes a beeline for this nest of snakes flying straight at him. Um, I, I imagine they're looking at, at us as we came into the room. And when I get to about 50 feet away, I toss the stone up in the air over my head, and I teleport behind them and unleash my whip. Uh, does Wark say anything when he does this? Yeah, as he, he throws a stone in the air and says, Hey, special deliveries, eh? Normally the storks uh, in this world deliver babies, but now this one delivers the pain. <laughs> Rourke flies so fast at his very minimal height off the ground, throws his stone of minor dimension door in front of himself, portals through it, gets to the other side, catches his stone in his pocket, and makes a weapon attack with his... It's my brand new whip that I was just gifted, and I rolled a 19 for that. He rolls a 19, which absolutely hits this pile of snakes, and this symbiotic whip reaches out from his hand and does a total of 
16 damage to this pile of snakes, including six psychic damage. These snakes did not know what was coming. You see about 10 snakes fall out of this giant pile and fall to the ground. Moving on to the swarm of poisonous snakes. This pile shifts slightly towards you. Ugh, the whole pile moves at once, that's so creepy. It actually swarms uh, all around you and takes up your space with you and it makes four attacks. Good lord. So it rolled a nine, a 25, a 25, and a seven. Correct. Okay, so two hits. My armor class is 19. Nice. Ooh. So quickly, Rourke. Just hang on. Just side note. It's always good when the DM says, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not a good sign. I think you have to make a saving throw or get poisoned, huh? Yes. There's like kind of like four different groups of snakes that try to bite at you. There's just so many hordes of them. Many of them clink off of your armor. You dodge and shake off a bunch of them. But a couple uh, groups of snakes get their teeth into you. You immediately take nine total piercing damage from these. Who's going to suck the poison out? (laughs) and that'll come off of your temporary hit points which will leave you with four temporary hit points gotcha and now you need to make two dc 10 constitution saving throws on a successful save you will take half the poison damage coming at you 13 and a 12 all right so um both of the doses of poison you bolster yourself and are able to shake off a lot of the effects of the poison. However, you still take 11 poison damage. All right, Pythe, this pile of snakes is quite far away from you. You are very well suited to fend off these snakes. In fact, you could make yourself completely immune to all damage. Being a Yanti, you're immune to poison and you can activate your armor and become immune to their regular damage. I'm not going to do that because I need to get up close to Rourke, I think. It's so sad to see snake on snake violence. (laughs) (laughs) That's mean. Um, Basically what uh, Pyth does is he does a, he rushes across the training room uh, using, you know, basically uses his full action to uh, to get up close to Rourke so that he can attempt to defend him the following round. So uh, Pyth, you know, takes his hammer, clashes it against his shield, and um, charges forward, stomping his feet, uh, shouting, Lowly worms, have at you! And then uh, trying to create as many uh, vibrations or tremors that he can on the ground so that the snakes can feel him coming. Perfect. Isn't it weird coming from you, though? It's like... (laughs) Nobody ever turned down a little snake on snake action. (laughs) Boa, leave it or not, I'm about to kick your asp. (laughs) (laughs) So Pyth sees his new acquaintance getting assailed by this pile of vile snacks, and he runs forward and tries to draw their ire by yelling insults at them. No, I make vibrations on the ground because snakes cannot hear the way that people do. Pounding the floor with his heavily armored steps, shaking the floor drawing their ire with vibrations. Snakes are deaf? Is that true? Yeah. He puts out scents and pheromones. He puts out insults and pheromones. I didn't know that snakes were deaf. 
Bada Bingsley, you are able to make your actions now. You saw Rourke take quite a bit of damage from these boys. Well, I think I think I'm just so stunned at the fact that snakes are deaf because they won't be able to enjoy these sweet tunes <laughs> that I've been playing. Well, Jesse, if you if you remember that episode of The Simpsons about Whacking Day when Barry <laughs> when they got Barry White to sing to the snakes using a low bassy tone that vibrated. That's true. So it had to be very bassy in order to. What if I played some Count Bassy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would like to uh, f- lift up into the air with my flying boots and get get these tootsies up into into the sky, um, just to get a good vantage point on it, and then belt out. Can I belt out uh, some more bardic inspiration for Rourke while while flying? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Okay. Saxophone of crushing it. <laughs> I've, I've used two charges now, right? Yes, you use two charges, but you also have your regular three uses of bardic inspiration as well. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, I rolled an 18 on my saxophone of crushing it. That's a little better than last time. That is a lot better. With the plus five, that's going to be 23 temporary hit points for Rourke. He is effectively healthier than he was before he flew up there. Nice. And you're able to choose one more target to replace their hit points with. Okay, um... So the next target, I guess... Well, the the other fellow there is impervious, right? He, he can't be hurt. Uh, you do not maybe know that yet. It's up to you. Oh, okay. Give it to the snakes. <laughs> Give it to the snakes. <laughs> um, That's really because nobody else has been damaged. Can I do that to Caradactyl? I ain't going to be close to him, sugar. Don't worry about me. You're not going to be close to him? Kara's going to run the other way. But don't worry about that. Do what your character wants to do. I fly up into the air with my tiny little winged cowboy boots, and I... Which none of you have seen him fly before. Yeah. Hey, this guy's been holding out on Holy shit, we got two flyers in the group now. And uh, as I lift off the ground, I belt out uh, another sweet sax solo for my saxophone of crushing it and uh, cast this bardic inspiration to uh, replace some uh, temporary hit points for, uh, for Kara. Caradactyl over there. I'm like, hey, my lady, how uh, how could uh, how could I let you not have these extra hit points over here? And, uh, oh, you are too good. I'm feeling damn immortal. Thank you, Bob Bangsley. You my favorite Minotaur. <laughs> oh yes, and of course, uh, initially I want to heal up Rourke, who is taking some. He's taking all the damage, so I want to get him those 18 hit points, and then the other uh, temporary hit points I want to send over to. Kara. Very good. So as you're playing it, me and Rourke know that you're playing it for us. Like, you're, like, dedicating this to us. Uh, Dedication. I love it. I am dedicated. In fact, and I play... I want to play Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty. I just had to Google terrible saxophone (laughs) song. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to belt that out real loud, however that goes, and then... uh, and yeah, and send that bardic inspiration as I fly through uh, through the skies, or through the temple, wherever we're in. Dining hall. Very good. And uh, finally, you actually also have an action still. Okay. Can I cast a spell? You can. So I have the spell Fairy Fire, which um, casts a 20-foot cube that outlines an area and any creature within there. um, If they fail a dexterity saving throw, um, they are affected. And And then those creatures, then um, any attack roll against them has advantage. Yep. 
and you're able to uh, form it in a way that it would only uh, hit the group of, of snakes and would effectively uh, hit all of the, all, that whole group of snakes. Yeah, so that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to try to switch over to casting Fairy Fire. Now, is that something I cast through the saxophone also? Or yes. is that... Uh... Your, your saxophone okay, cool. is a spell casting focus for your... Oh, I love it. So I just kind of slightly alter that song and, and sing, you know, blow some notes about Fairy Fire. <laughs> I'll cast that now and see what that does. Absolutely. And your new spell DC is 17. So these, uh, this group of snakes is going to have to roll a 17 or higher to avoid being fired by fairies. <laughs> cool. Bunch of fairies uh, fly up to these snakes and say, You're fired! They see? Well, you're all fired, all you snakes! Yeah. And um, these. Sad. <laughs> you're fired, sad. <laughs> And, and these uh, snakes start glowing, a dim glow, making it so that it will be easier to target them with attacks. Can I just slightly flavor uh, that second song there real quickly? Yeah. When I switch over to playing Fairy Fire, um, just I'm looking up other f- famous saxophone songs, and I recognize this one, Careless Whisper, which is like... I think that's Wham or George Michael. I guess George Michael. George Michael. So yeah, I want to belt out some careless whisper because it's such an amazing sax song, and then uh, really just like highlight all of these, um, all these snakes in a glowing violet light. Very good. Now let's move on to Caradactyl. Holy shit! I can see them snakes. They have that pretty purple light on them. Oh, I'm gonna shoot the hell out of them. But wait, should I? I mean, this place is infested with rats. <laughs> I mean, they kind of are the first line of defense. It's like they say you're not supposed to kill spiders, but you know what? I kill spiders anyway. Hell, I'm shooting them. She takes aim with her silence death dealer, which is the name of that item that was described earlier. (laughs) You you stupid fucking snakes. You fucking idiots. I'm so sorry, Poth. I didn't mean to. Not all snakes. None taken. (laughs) Are you saying that all snakes look the same? (laughs) I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm from a different time. I'm older. I'm sorry. She didn't grow up around a lot of snakes, I guess. I guess not. Not all. I have my best friend in high school was a snake. <laughs> uh, so with the advantage of fairy fire, what did Caradactyl roll on these attacks? <laughs> Caradactyl for her attack, she rolled a twenty-four. Awesome. Damn. And she did 22 damage plus 3 sneak damage. So 25 damage total. 25. Big old damage from Caradactyl as she takes aim with her newfangled weapon with the assistance of glowing snake butts and her heads-up display. She is able to do a bunch of damage, but the only sound you hear is the splat of these 10 to 20 snake bodies that pop out the other side of the big old pile of snakes. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. (laughs) Something a gnome said around me once. I kind of caught on. (laughs) (laughs) Brings us back to Rourke. You're in a pile of snakes, but you feel uh, much healthier now that... Bada Bingsley played his sax for you. He saxed you up. You're feeling good. What do you do? All right, gentlemen, I want to take this new sword for a spin. Let me see if we can whack these snakes with this thing. 
how many how many attacks do I get with a sword? Just one. So that'll be one attack action with either weapon, and then a bonus action to attack with the other or to teleport away. I am going to do one sword, one whip. I'm just all about fucking these snakes up. No offense, Pythe. None taken. You're staying in the thick of it. Yeah. So sword first, 21. Uh, 21 will hit. You damage the snakes just a little bit. You rolled minimum damage with that, which is still nine, which is... Nine damage is amazing for a level one fighter <laughs> at minimum damage. <laughs> As a Vorpal Scimitar is amazing for a level one fighter. Yeah, right. <laughs> With the amount of damage we're doing, this is like a pile of anacondas <laughs> more than anything. Okay. <laughs> this is a 10 foot tall, 10 foot wide pile of snakes. This is a giant pile chock full of snakes. There's hundreds of them. Oh my gosh. Are there any... Of that size, like from the movie Anaconda with Ice Cube and J-Lo? John Voight. John Voight. I forgot about that. <laughs> Thanks for tacking John Voight Fucking John Voight. Can he be one of the snakes? <laughs> yes, absolutely. One of the snakes is uh, John Voight now. <laughs> hey, my name is John Voight. Uh, um. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I want to do my second attack. I'm going to use the whip. Uh, so Rourke shudders a little bit. He's still not used to this creepy sinew thing hooked into his arm. Oh, dear. So he shudders a little bit. He's like, ah, I feel like I'm hitting one of these snakes with another dead snake. And he swings the whip at it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and make that attack. 23. At advantage, you roll a 23, doing another... 14 damage to these snake boys. That thing is called Dern's Tentacle Whip. Yeah, I think it's named after Ooh, Bruce Dern. Creepy. This pile of snakes is almost half the size of living snakes as it once was. Still far too many snakes. Like, you wouldn't want that many anywhere, right? You wouldn't want that many snakes in a living room. Cur- in a living room. No, you wouldn't want this many snakes uh, in one in any one place. Uh, at a time whatsoever. This was the dining room, so this would be a lot of snakes for a dining room, right? Yeah, it's kind of a lot of snakes for anywhere. Oh, it 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 was the dining room, but like every inch of this place has shifted and flipped over to a completely different place. So what would you call this now, like a rec room? This is straight up a training hall. Romper room? So there's like a bunch of training dummies all around. My point is it's still an unacceptable number of snakes for this room, right? If there's anywhere you want a 10-foot pile of snakes, it's in a room dedicated to training and slaughtering such uh, beings. Or maybe a zoo. Did I, uh... Yeah, or a zoo. Clint, did I kill a snake with a whip? Yes, you killed uh, uh, several snakes with the whip. Why? It's time to get the appeal of hentai to these people. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just play a little Devo for him in the background while he does that? <laughs> you must whip it. Rourke uh, stands his ground and makes two attacks, dealing a large amount of damage, just completely taking a bunch of these snakes down. Crack that witch! The end of his turn, it is now the poisonous snake's turn. Oh, I hate when they get turned. <laughs> There's like a thousand of them in that pile, but they only get four attacks. So it's a really inefficient system. <laughs> Should they split up? No. Please don't. On the snake's turn, you start to see a lot of other smaller piles of snakes. Secondary snake piles? <laughs> come out of the woodworks, as you would say, um, and start coming towards 
the group. No bueno. They got a lot of training snakes at this place. <laughs> Message hamsters and training snakes. Persepolis, your palace is fucking infested. I swear to God, you need to get an exterminator in this place. You're the exterminator. That's really why Persepolis got you guys is uh, they had this snake problem and, you know, yeah. They gave you a bunch of good equipment and everything, but you know, you're you're Persepolis's exterminator. You laugh, but this is an awesome campaign idea. It is. I would honestly go to the trouble of resurrecting a whole group of people if I had this many snakes to take care of. I'm like you don't know how many snakes. It's a lot. Dang, is this a lot of snakes? The pile that is surrounding Rourke, however. There's a lot less of them, and they are no longer able to make so many attacks. He'll make two attacks at normal, and then one at a reduced uh, quantity. I rolled a 13 and 18, and then the third pile of snakes that is in there rolled a natural 20. That one hit, obviously. Natural 20. So... With your great new equipment, raising your armor class to above 18, the first two full-strength attacks miss. To be fair, a little, of the ba- a little of that is owed to my dexterity, doing like some Neo-Matrix-style moves up here, dodging these guys. Dodging a swarm <laughs> of snakes. One of them <laughs> looks like John Voigt. <laughs> he has got a hovering stone going around his head like uh, Tweety Birds, boosting his dexterity, increasing his armor class causing most of these hits to miss. However, the third strike is able to hit, dealing nine piercing damage, and you'll need to make another DC 10 constitution saving throw. All right, constitution. That snake with the very attractive daughter just bit Rourke. Uh, Ooh, only rolled a seven, did not make that one. So what's my damage? (laughs) Oh boy, this isn't good. Oh crap. Rourke's dead. <laughs> can you die during training sessions? Somebody revive Rourke. <laughs> you can't. It's just not a good look for you. We're exterminators. <laughs> It'd be funny if Neo had just gotten his ass kicked so bad by Morpheus <laughs> that he just died. <laughs> I thought I knew Kung Fu. <laughs> oh boy. Well, uh, yeah, so Rourke, you are going to take an additional 24 poison damage. Oh, I have 14 temporary and 4 regular. Uh, So with that second hit, the daring Rourke stayed his ground and dared the snakes to take him down. Down he went. He's the only one of us who's good at fight. Run, everybody, run! (laughs) Well, that's a fun place to end this episode with Rourke's life hanging in the balance. Let's see what happens next week. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, awful fans. You awful, awful fans, you. Uh, <laughs> signing off, we have Dave Callens. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Sharkadile. You can also hit me up directly through Awful D&D on Twitter. Fan interaction is like our spinach that Popeye has. The more you guys interact with us, the more, the better this game is. So please just tweet us, respond to us, let us know what you think, uh, rate us, review us, have friends listen. We love you guys. That's 100% true. I know I myself get uh, bolstered by all of your interaction and comments. Uh, Everything is shared with all of the cast members when you interact with these folks at the front lines, and we all feel the love. Thank you so much. We also have Jesse Egan. Where can we people find you? 
You could find me at Jesse Egan Comedy on all social media. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for supporting the show. And uh, check out the latest Chud's Buds for our shout out to all the Patreons out there. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't already, check out Jesse Egan's comedy on Dry Bar Comedy. It's a great special. Thanks, man. Caleb Cleveland, where can people find you? You can find me at Caleb is Drawing on Twitter, Instagram, and all your other friendly neighborhood social medias. And I just wanted to take a moment, if I may, to mention that there are a number of other avenues where you can find Pyth and Pyth-related media, uh, such as the summer stock production of Pyth of My Heart, or the film about when Pyth tries to escape from terrorists during Christmas. It's called Pyth Hard. Or you could have uh, Lunchtime with Pyth. It's called Pythons of the Lambs. <laughs> or maybe the simply you know about the horror film, I Pyth on Your Grave. How about the old uh, Ramones song, Rock and Roll Pyth School? Um, there's always, it, there's tons of Pyth-related media around you, if you just know where to find it. But again, Caleb is drawing on all your friendly neighborhoods. The fun ride. Well, you love listening to your voice. Yep. I'll take it anytime. Damien Mercado, where can people find you? You can reach out to me at the show at Awful D&D, or you can check me out on Science Faction. It's a comedy science podcast, a great source of science news with a splash of humor. And we're doing a great job reporting on COVID-19. So if you want to uh, call your friends dumb and be able to articulate why they're dumb for posting about pandemic, please go and listen to Science Faction. <laughs> <laughs> Gertrude will also be starting a awful D&D themed OnlyFans account, so uh, be prepared for that. Nice. <laughs> and not Sarah Lee Steiner. We found the actual Gertrude. I uh, said Gertrude, not Sarah Lee. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually me, dressed Weird. up as Gertrude. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, you can find me on most social medias at Clint Beicher. Please at me if you feel like it. Don't if you don't. You can also possibly find me uh, playing some Dungeons and Dragons on Roll20 uh, with the name Tifi, T-I-F-I. So it's another place uh, you guys can kind of hang out. So thank you so much for joining us, awful fans. We love you so much. Keep coming back. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. We love you. Once the kids go to bed, there's a steamy film with Kim Basinger and Mickey Rourke. It's called Python and a Half Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. If we keep recording, he's going to have 20 more of these. <laughs> Everybody, this is Friedrich, Sergeant of Arms at the Citadel. It's lonely work, if you're like me, you're looking for love. You never know when or where you'll meet the one. For me, it was a weird day. I had just been possessed by an evil blue energy that compelled me to attack the man I was charged with protecting. Just then I saw an angel on an airship, 
burst through the roof and into my heart. Malice and Kill, you're my lady. If you're looking to make a love connection, I recommend Awful Neutral. For the low, low price of a five-star review on iTunes, we guarantee love. High five! Ah, oh, you miss me. You owe me five. <laughs>